The Kibera slum is the largest urban slum in Africa. Recent estimates show that over 235,000 people live in the single square mile area that makes up Kibera. Other sources suggest the total Kibera population may be as high as a half a million to well over a million people, depending on which slums are included in defining the location of Kibera. Life in Kibera is beyond challenging. Men, women, and children live in simple shacks made of sticks, mud, and tin. There's no running water, sewage runs rampant, and most people survive on less than $1 a day. Children born in the slum of Kibera are at such a high risk of just continuing the cycle of extreme poverty. However, with access to something as simple and basic as education can mean the difference between life and death. My guest today is doing her part to tip the scale and make a difference in the lives of kids in Kibera. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of stillbeingmolly.com, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Amy Ahiga, the co-founder of Grain of Rice Project, an organization that seeks to empower Kenyans through educational and training initiatives in Jesus' name. Amy is passionate about ensuring children from marginalized and underprivileged parts of society in Kenya have access to quality education. She's currently in the process of starting a school in Nanyuki, Kenya. Amy divides her time between Kenya and Valparaiso, Indiana, where she resides with her husband and one-year-old son. I actually met Amy back at the Fair Trade Federation Conference in Austin, Texas last spring, and I knew right away I wanted to have her on the show. So I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. So without further ado, on to my chat with Amy. Amy, I am so happy to have you on the show, especially since uh, we got to meet back in March um, at the Fairtrade Federation Conference. And so it's always fun to have somebody on the show that I've met in person because so so often a lot of the people that I interview, I haven't had the chance to meet in real life. So uh, welcome and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Now, I am just such a huge fan of your work. Uh, We have just a lot in common as far as our passions go. And I'm just really excited for you to share your story and all about what you do with Grain of Rice Project. So let's dive right in. Can you give us the Amy 101? So tell us who you are and how you got started. All right. So my name's Amy Ahiga, and I grew up in Indiana. Um, I have lived here almost my whole life, and I was a teacher uh, for two years. And after teaching those two years, I loved it, but I decided that I wanted to quit my job and move to Kenya for a while. Uh, and, and when that happened, people thought I was really crazy. Uh, this you know, this young girl, what are you doing? So I packed everything up and I moved over to live with a Kenyan family. I was there for about eight months. And that was a really great experience for me because I got to know a lot of the 
local culture and just what it was what it was like on a very authentic level being with this family. I helped them with their ministry in Nairobi. Uh, and then I came back after those eight months were over and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with myself. So I ended up coming, uh, I started teaching again, and then I, I would come back to Kenya over my summers. And so I would spend two months there uh, every summer after school closed. And I brought my sister along my second time. And through those trips, we decided that we wanted to do something more long-term to help people there and to uh, encourage them and to provide opportunities for empowerment. And so that's kind of where my my story began in Kenya. So I've been going to Kenya since 2008. So it's been 11 years, a long time. Uh, and uh, eventually my sister and I formed Grain of Rice Project. And we work to empower people who mostly right now are living in Kibera, one of the biggest slums in East Africa. And so we do that in a couple of different ways. We train artisans to make handcrafted pieces, and we also provide them with business training and life skills so that they can eventually move on and start their own business or have uh, their own thing that they run, uh, de depending on their skills and, and their interest level. And then we work with kids. And my passion for education and children has has never left. So um, I ended up going back and I taught for 10 years. And I, I still love children a lot. So it's been exciting to sort of see what that looks like cross-culturally. Right now, we run an after-school program for kids from the slums. And so we work to create this holistic program where they get academic teaching, they get Christian teachings, they're fed, uh, they do art, they do STEM activities. So it's really a hands-on type of situation and it helps them to just to grow and to feel good about who God made them to be. And our big exciting thing is that we're working to start a school there in Kenya right now. And so we want to take what we're doing in our after-school program, which is like an incubator program, and use it uh, to empower these children and give them a, a really quality education and to train teachers to take these hands-on methods and use them in their classroom. Uh, and so that's what we're continuing to to fundraise for and to, to work on uh, in this next coming year. And so we're really excited about that opportunity. And for me, being in Kenya has just really been a huge growing experience. I've learned a lot about uh, myself. And I think uh, whenever maybe you first go out to visit or to learn about a place, you, you always think that you're going to be the one to maybe offer something or give back. But I've really learned that that's, that's not the case. It's really that the people of Kenya have taught me so much and I'm still continuing to learn. And there's so many beautiful things that we've been able to, uh, to take away from their culture. And uh, so I have one son and I'm married and I'm married to a Kenyan as well. And that's been a great experience to also learn about the Kenyan culture. Uh, and so our son is one years old. And so we're super busy at our house all the time. Uh, and it's a exciting time of life, of course, watching him grow up. So that's a little bit about me. I love it. You have such a beautiful family. And I love how Kenya is just woven into your story and um, in your family's story. And I mean, I'm curious, you know, when you quit teaching and you decided to kind of pack up your things and move, like, why Kenya? What was it about Kenya that 
uh, kind of drew you in initially? So actually, I I didn't want to go to Kenya. <laughs> I think everybody goes to Kenya, you know, when you think of Africa, people think of Kenya, they think of the animals in the safari. And I think that I was kind of hesitant to go there because of that. But uh, just different circumstances worked out where the program that I went with at the time was based in Kenya. And I liked the programs that they were doing with kids and running camps. And I just decided that that would be a good fit. And when I went to Kenya the first time, I I really thought that it was going to be something I just did once and checked it off my bucket list. But I'm sure you know as well from going there that uh, it's really the people that draw you in. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I've never stopped going back (laughs) since then. So uh, what, what I thought was just going to be this one-time trip has really turned into something different. I remember at the time when I went, my pastor asked me, are you going to do missions long-term? And I told him, no, of course not. <laughs> I'm just going to go once. Um, but I think that my heart was really changed. And, uh, you know, once you're there and once you see this uh, like really amazing positive things about the culture, but then you also see the need uh, and you see, you see the joy despite the need. I think that it's really hard to turn a blind eye to some of the things that you've seen after you've been there. And so that's what's kept me from, or kept me going back, even when it's hard, even when it's challenging. That's what just keeps me still there. I think it's one of those situations where God always just laughs at us when. <laughs> Yes, when we when say we have a plan, <laughs> when we have a plan, when we say, oh, I don't want to do that or no, I'm not going to do that. And God's like, that's hilarious. Like, yeah. <laughs> you are so precious. Yeah, it's just when when you see stories of of things like that, when when somebody says, oh, no, I'm not going to do that or oh, I, I don't want to do that or that's not that's not in my plan. And, and then God clearly says, no, um, you're wrong. But when we do step into those stories that we didn't want to step into initially or we didn't expect to step into initially, it's incredible when you step out in faithfulness and when you step out in um, a situation that makes you uncomfortable, how God uses that and how God blesses that. Um, And so, you know, here you are all these years later and you're married to a Kenyan, you have a, you know, you have, you're a, a, you know, biracial, bicultural family and, you know, you're working with the grain of rice project was just, just incredible. And all of those things would never have happened had you not, you know, said yes to this thing that made you uncomfortable. Right, right. And I think it's those uncomfortable moments when we really do grow and we kind of learn who we've been made to be. And uh, it's it's easy to do the easy thing. You know, <laughs> it's easy to have a, a comfortable life, but it's much harder to stretch yourself. And, you know, sometimes I get it wrong. Sometimes I make mistakes. But I think through that, I'm still learning and, and growing. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I think is so incredible and really important to note is that, you know, while The Grain of Rice Project was obviously a huge passion project for you, a huge undertaking. Um, One of the things that makes it so, you know, successful and what how you've seen a lot of the fruits of hard labor is you have an entire entirely uh, Kenyan run staff. Um, Can you kind of talk a little bit about that and how how that got started and and building your team on the ground in Kenya and things like that? 
Yeah, it's really important to have local people on the ground. You know, you want people to take ownership of what's happening because they're going to be the people that are the leaders in their community. So I will never have the kind of influence or impact that they can have. And I'll never understand the needs the way that they can understand them. So um, I'm just here as a connection piece, but the true change is going to come when you have leaders in the area on the ground. And so uh, God has just brought us people in different ways. Um, Truly, like I think we've never (laughs) advertised for positions. People have just come in different ways. And um, we're really fortunate to have people who are very passionate about what they do, who love children, who have also grown up in the slums, who've been in similar circumstances so they truly understand the the need and they have ideas of solutions of how to make an impact and so again from them I learn a lot because they're um yeah they're they're the ones who are from the community they they get it in a you know a way that nobody else can absolutely it's just such an important component that you know, a lot of times we hear some of these terms like, you know, kind of white, white saviorism or kind of like just this uh, this Western complex that people have where we think like, oh, we're an American and we're going to go in there. And we're going to tell them how to do things. And we know all when that's obviously not true at all. Um, and so that's yeah. just such an important piece of this and an important conversation to have, especially when you're working um, abroad, you're working in developing nations. And um, now there can be, when it's done right and when it's done well, like what you're doing, there's just such a beautiful, to me, it's a beautiful picture of how God created us um, to work together in community, um, to learn and understand and respect um, each other's cultures and to empower one another. And it's not, you know, we, we kind of throw this term around a lot, but it's not about like a hand out. It's about a hand up and coming alongside people. And, um, it's just, I, I think that that's one of the things that I love so much about what you do is that you really are creating sustainable opportunities for that. So that if, you know, God forbid something were to happen to you or you were to go away, like they would continue running and they would be okay. And, um, that's just such, such an important piece and component to this. Right. And I think that's something I had to learn and I'm still learning, but I remember, at the beginning when we were just getting started and I sat in this little shack in Kibera and I had this great idea like, oh, we're going to teach these people how to make beads. And, uh, you know, we had these ideas in our mind. And I remember bringing all these supplies in and then this lady pulled all this jewelry out of her purse and she said, like this. <laughs> and she said, honey, we, we already know how to make them. We just can't sell them. We don't have a market. Um, and that was a really humbling experience for me mm. and really good and just a, a good, like a hard good, but a good reminder that you do have to ask and not assume and, and listen so that you, you get a good understanding of, of what the needs truly are. That is such a good point. And I, I really admire your ability to say, oh, man, you're right. I was wrong, you know, or I did assume right. or here's where maybe I had a blind spot um, and how I'm I'm able to to 
you know, now learn and understand and grow. And yeah, that's so important and so important as a leader too, um, whether you're in the for-profit space or the nonprofit space, to be able to say, oops, I messed up or, oh, I was wrong or, oh, I should have done that differently. And, you know, to be able to admit it is such a huge piece. I mean, it happens to me all the time where I go, yeah. oh, man, I really <laughs> messed that up or, oh, I probably shouldn't have said that or, you know yeah. what I mean? And But yeah. instead of just being like making an excuse, you know, I say, oh, you know what? I'm going to know better. I'm going to do better. Like my Angela right. says, when you know better, you do better. Right. And we're always constantly learning and evolving and growing and None of us are using 100% capacity on our brains. So that means we all have, you know, room and space to grow. Um, right. So I just, I, I think that's really admirable that you were able uh, to, to do that and, and learn from it. Yes, I think we always have to be learning. We It's easy to make mistakes, especially cross-culturally, but mm-hmm. you just have to keep learning and then keep trying to move forward and, and do the best that you can. Yeah. Now, one of the things that I think it is, um, you know, kind of additionally that um, I, you know, I'm really thankful that this is an area that you're really passionate about as well is um, is the education component, um, especially within um, slum communities. And, you know, we never I, I'm always really careful. Um, I never want to, you know, um, sensationalize poverty or anything like that um, and and I always try to be very um, respectful of people's stories and and things like that but you know it, the reality is is that we do still live in a world where poverty exists and mm-hmm. so we have to look at okay if if we want to end poverty um, and I you know having personally been to Kenya and having having personally seen Kibera um, life for Literally, it's estimated that, what is it, over a million people live in the slum of Kibera. When, and that's even, I think, just an estimation because I don't think they really know the exact number. But when you're, when you're looking at that many people that are living in a community where they don't have access to clean water, they don't have, you know, there's food instability. There's, um, I mean, you could name all these kinds of things. When we look at the root of that, like how do we really tackle a problem that large, we have to look at the root of it. And so we have to get to the bottom of it. And one of those things, well, two of those things really are education mm-hmm. and access to um, sustainable economic income, right. sustainable economic right. opportunities. And so through what you're doing with Grain of Rice, you're attacking both of those things. You're working on both of those things. Um, and so I'd love to for you to just kind of speak a little bit to that and and what it's kind of been like, you know, working in, you know, one of the largest slums in East Africa and how you have worked with people there in the community to strategically tackle this just really, you know, important issue and this this immense problem. Yeah. So if we're keeping it real, we should just say that it's hard. (laughs) It's never easy. You know, it's not something that's a quick fix. And uh, it's it's not something we're going to change all of Kibera. But just like our name, 
grain of rice. It's just about one small little thing that you can do. I believe in those small things because I believe if lots of us are doing small things, those small things start to build up and to make an impact. And I maybe can't do huge things, but I can do small things. So education is one of those things. Uh, I grew up in a family of teachers. I am very passionate about education. Uh, I love teaching. I love being around children. Uh, My mom was a teacher for over 30 years. She's been this amazing example to follow and to learn from. And so with the children, I think one of the, the biggest challenges with education, and this is also coming from what I'm learning from my husband, is just that Right now, it's a very memorization-based system in Kenya, and it only rewards children who are good memorizers. I'm not a good memorizer. I did well in school, but I'm not a good memorizer. So I don't think under the Kenyan system, I would have done really well. Uh, And it, it really just celebrates children with high test scores. And just because you have high test scores and can memorize facts, that doesn't really mean that you're a smart person or that you're able to to go out and be a problem solver. And change is going to come when you have problem solvers. So what we're trying to do and what actually it's, it's exciting because Kenya has come out with a new curriculum. They're trying to change. They see that there's a need. I think almost every week there's some type of article in the paper in Kenya right now about what they're trying to do within the education system to make it more competency based. And so we want to implement this new curriculum within our school and it's what we're trying to do in our after-school program now. Uh, and, and the challenge is that teachers haven't really been trained there. So there's a lot of resistance to this new system because people don't know what it is. And when people fear something, they can't get excited about it. They can't have a desire to implement it in their own classroom. So we want to make it like we want our school to be just a representation of, of what it can be so that teachers can come and learn there and students can excel. So already we've tried to start on a very small scale and bring in teachers and train them using really simple practices that we're already doing in our own classrooms uh, after school. So it can be something really simple like classroom management. Um, You know, this is a system where kids have been caned forever. And so trying Mm. to implement like uh, or introduce new systems of of classroom management is it's really a, a big deal and it's something that people haven't seen uh, practically in person before so that's one of the things and then just trying to introduce different ways of instruction and we're very heavy on literacy and that you can read for fun and that it can be enjoyable and that stories are exciting so we do a lot of reading with our kids um And you'll find that they can read, but the comprehension isn't always there. And their exams are in English, which English is their third language for most of them. They speak Swahili, they speak a tribal language, and then their third language is English. So you can imagine if you had to go to school here and take and examine your third language. It's it's not easy. So we're trying to really, uh, with our school, have a heavy emphasis on literacy uh, and just problem solving, bringing in arts and STEM and more hands-on type of things so that kids are really engaged in their learning. It's very uh, student-centered in in what they're doing. And so we continue to try to model that in what we're doing and in our school that's upcoming so that these kids will then have a very good problem-solving base to go out and uh, to use that education further to, to do 
great things in their own lives. Okay, taking a quick break from my chat with Amy to tell you about the limited edition holiday collection from Seiko Designs. Are you looking to gift with purpose this holiday season? Definitely check out the incredible holiday collection from Seiko Designs. There's something for just about everyone on your list. Everything from bags and shoes to jammies and jewelry and even gorgeous leather goods for the man in your life. My personal favorite is the leopard coat and the druzy jewelry. So gorgeous. So to shop the incredible holiday collection, remember it is limited edition. Go to SeikoDesigns.com forward slash Molly Stillman. That's S-S-E-K-O designs.com slash Molly Stillman. Now back to my chat with Amy. Every time I go back to Kenya, I'm just always incredible or amazed by how many languages these kids yes. speak. And then I'm just like, and you have to take tests in English. Like, I can't imagine how difficult that is. Like, my daughter is a, in kindergarten and she is in a Spanish immersion program. And so she's yeah. learning Spanish. She's spending 90% of her day in Spanish. And, you know, she's picking it up very quickly. But it's still a lot. And, you right. know, I took Spanish in high school, but I don't remember a ton of it. I mean, I can get by on some basic stuff. But, you know, it's just it just blows my mind the way that their brains work. But it's just it, it's it's humbling to me. And I'm, it always makes me appreciate people who are um, bilingual or trilingual or quadrilingual or what I mean, just people who just speak all these languages. I just say that is just incredible. And, um, and it's awesome that they're learning it while they're young because that's when they're really going to pick it up and it will stick with them for a long time. Absolutely. It is an incredible skill and it it always makes me marvel at how our brains work in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the way that our brains are able to, you know, process language in different ways. And uh, yeah, anyway, I could talk about that forever. Um, But a question actually I wanted to ask you is, um, you know, being married to a Kenyan is just, uh, like I said at the beginning, you have just such a beautiful family. Um, What has that been like, uh, you know, just, you know, being in this incredibly beautiful um, bicultural, biracial family and, you know, maybe some things that you've learned or um, if you feel comfortable kind of sharing any wisdom that you've gained over the years or what that what that's been like uh oh I think I mean it's a it is a beautiful thing because you're always learning and uh it's not easy for sure because you know two cultures have very different ways of doing things but um it is it's a, a wonderful learning process and it's a beautiful way of learning what unity looks like. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, I think also I've, I've learned that moving to the U S as an adult, even though I'm not the one who went through it, but it's not easy. It's, it's very difficult. Uh, there's just a lot of hoops. We, we have a system here, you know, and we expect people to kind of know what the system is like and just how to do that. And so when you come here as an adult, I think it's, it's really difficult. Maybe things that you take for granted are challenging. And a good example would be Subway. So um, my husband found that this was like the most uh, challenging place to go eat when he would first come here. Because think about like, you you don't know what a sandwich is. You don't eat sandwiches in your country. And you have all these meats and you don't know what they are. And you don't eat cheese. And you have all these condiments and you don't really know what they are. And there's lots of questions, you know, and, and they expect you to be very fast. And um, 
I think the Subway restaurant is sort of just a symbolizes kind of the bigger picture of imagine like every day when you go out if you're someone who's coming here and you kind of face a, a situation like that where you don't really know the way that things work and um, I, I think it's probably been like that in some ways in Kenya but I, I think for me people have been uh, very gracious about like teaching and kind of understanding um you know, they always say Americans are very forward in how we just kind of say what we think. <laughs> and not everybody does that around the the globe. So kind of learning how to temper that is, um, is something that I struggle with and continue to learn. Um, but I think for our kid, it's, uh, it, you know, it's exciting because he has two different backgrounds and has this very... Uh, exciting like worldview of kind of knowing two different places it maybe makes it challenging and hard too but uh, it's it's cool that he can see that there's many different ways of doing things and um, just because one country does things a certain way doesn't necessarily mean it's right or wrong it just is what it is but that there's multiple right ways to do things and um, I, I, what I love about the Kenyan culture is that it's just very relationship based and mm -hmm. it's very much about community so um, America is very individualistic but Kenya is is all about working together in yeah. this village mentality and um, people just kind of jump in to help you so sometimes it can be hard like when I'm there people always tell me that my child is cold. <laughs> so like if I could get paid a dollar every time someone told me that, I'd be really rich. Uh, <laughs> Grand of Rice would never have to fundraise again. <laughs> so I'll just be carrying my son around and they're like, hey, Mzungu, Mtoto, Hukuna, you know, he doesn't have any socks or he's cold, Baridi. And then I tell them, yeah, but we, we come from where it snows. So he's really okay, I promise. Yeah. So, and it's, um, people do it in a, a loving way. You know, they, it's the village mentality. So mm -hmm. they want to be helpful. Um, but then from an American standpoint, it can kind of feel like, hey, like, why are you trying to tell me what to do? <laughs> uh, so that that has been uh, a challenging thing to learn. But I know that it's said out of love, too. So I try to keep that in mind. But um, I do love that it's very much about community there, very much about slowing down. And, um, you know, the U.S. is so fast paced. I think that we miss out on these things. That, that's one of the things I love about working with kids in Kenya is that they just get excited about every experience, yes. every little thing. And yes. I think that we miss that here sometimes or um, everything is always about entertaining, you know? And so um, like kind of this next gimmicky thing, what is it going to be? But people appreciate just smaller, simpler things there. And uh, that's just a really beautiful reminder for me and it helps me appreciate things that I maybe normally wouldn't appreciate at all so um and and then other things like um people in Kenya are very interested in the fact that I'm reading to my son even though he can't read yet or he can't talk so yeah uh, I was waiting at the hospital with someone and I was reading him a book and this lady came up to me and she she started asking me questions like I heard I, I saw that you're reading to your kid like does he really know what's going on <laughs> so just told her well not exactly I mean he's learning and he can turn the pages but um I forget sometimes that people are watching and they're intrigued probably just in the same way that um, I'm intrigued to to learn from them. Yeah, that's a really good point. I haven't even thought about that. 
Um, one of the things that I love about Kenyan culture that, you know, we just always kind of joke um, every trip that I go on is everything is on Kenyan time. And that is, Ooh, an, yes. Yeah. Kenyan time is a real thing. Uh, it is. And that is time does not really exist. Um, right. It's just, right. right. So everything you gotta, is, if you want to leave at eight, you better say you want to leave at seven. Yeah. It's really more of a suggestion. Time is right. like a suggestion. Um, <laughs> and if church like starts at 10, like people are going to kind of walk in between like 10 and noon. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. a, it's just really more of a suggestion. And so we just right. always laugh about, you know, because the Americans, we always go and we're on a schedule. We got to get this, this and that done. And it's just like, nope, you have to just throw the schedule out the window. Yes, but exactly. I love it because they really are just such a beautiful such a beautiful people who are so focused on relationships and um, time doesn't matter. Like if you are spending time, you know, having some chai tea and some uh, chapati or ugali, like you are sitting and you are enjoying each other's company, um, breaking bread together. And that is just, it's just such an important part of their culture and right. I wish we did that more here I, right. I mean I wish we weren't always in such a rush and oh I have to be at this place in 5 30 so I need to leave here at five and you know it, it, we're just so regimented and I realize that that's just that it's just different um it's not yeah there's a beautiful sense of hospitality mm-hmm. and people yes. will stop everything that they're doing and even if they don't have a lot of money they will make sacrifices and make sure you have Something. I mean, we went to visit the neighbors across from the land that we're trying to buy for the school. And so we just went to talk to them. But of course, an hour and a half later, we're still sitting there (laughs) and we've eaten the best chapati I've ever had in my life. And we ate... I think Mokimo, like um, mashed potatoes with greens. And so we had this whole meal and, and, you know, they don't have hardly anything, but they're taking what they do have and sharing it with you. And we didn't tell them we were coming. We didn't make plans, but they just made accommodation, you know, and said like, oh, here, come stay. And um, it's, it's a really lovely thing. I think that we can learn from. Yes. Amen. Now, you mentioned a little bit at the beginning, um, but I wanted to touch on it here at the end um, so that you can share kind of how people can support you and um, help in the effort. And so you are working towards building a school, and this is a big, big project, a big undertaking. So can you kind of share, you know, how if people are interested in supporting this incredible project, how can they do that? Yeah, so we are currently fundraising for our school. We are in the process of acquiring land there, and it's going to be in Nanuki, Kenya, which is close to Mount Kenya. And it's a really cool area because there's lots of different tribes that live there. And so we have this vision of a really unified body of students from different tribes. Kenya really struggles with uh, a history of tribalism and people being treated based on the uh, treated differently based on the tribe where they come from or um, discrimination. And so we see a school of many people coming together as a wonderful opportunity to promote unity and all the other things that I already said about hands-on learning. But you can get involved. You can go to our website, grainofriceproject.org. If you want to make a donation, you can also read more about it there. Uh, you can see where we're at and how uh, the fundraising is going and what the process is happening and, and where we're at with that. And so 
um, we're, we're excited and uh, we hope to break ground sometime at the beginning of 2020. So not too far away. We're just really excited and we want people to be a part. You know, it's, it is this crazy, huge vision. It's not something that I can do on my own. And when I stop and think about it, it seems, it seems really insane. You know, <laughs> um, it's, it's this big idea. It's much bigger even than what we're doing right now, but we really feel like it's time to move to that next level. We're really out of space in the current location where we're at. It's very difficult to purchase land within the slums, and we feel like moving to this clean rural area is really a great opportunity for growth, and so we're just really looking forward to the things that are to come. Uh, And someone someone sent me this letter recently and she told me like, oh, you know, when Noah went out to build this boat, like he must have looked really stupid. And that's kind of how I feel sometimes. Like, whoa, this is this really crazy vision. But like, um, sometimes you have to be a little bit crazy to believe that things are, are possible. And I do believe that it's possible. I am really excited. I'm I've been really encouraged just by the way that we've seen seen kids growing now, uh, kids who've come in who haven't been in school at all and just watching things turn around, kids who couldn't read in the third grade and, and now they can. And so um, I'm really looking forward to it. Our response from the community and people has been positive. And so we would love you to be part because just like the Kenyan mentality of it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village, lots of villages to start a school. It's not something that I can do on my own. So we would love for you to be a part of that. And you can check out our website, graineofriceproject.org for more information. That's incredible. And I don't think you look foolish. Um, I think you look (laughs) faithful. So um, way to go. And I cannot wait to see you reach your goal and to see all of the children that this incredible school impacts. So thank you for what you're doing and thank you for your 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 ability to step out in faithfulness <laughs> in and do something that I know is super scary. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now is the part of the, t- the show where we just transition just a little bit before we go to just ask some fun, get to know you questions. And um, as my listeners know, this is just one of my favorite parts of the show because I just, I love asking fun questions and, and kind of hearing, <laughs> uh, you know, what you're into, maybe a strange pet peeve, things like that. I don't know. You know, we, just, we, we never know that the questions are pretty much different every single time. So... Amy, are you ready for the get to know you round? I'm ready. Awesome. The anticipation is. The anticipation. (laughs) Um, Okay. So this has been one of my favorite questions to ask recently because it was one that I've just always asked for years when I'm hanging out with my friends. And so I decided to include it in show questions. And that is, if you were a professional athlete, um, think like a baseball player, and you had a walk-up song. So you know in a baseball game when when the players come up, they always have their walk-up song. What would your walk-up song be? Uh, oh, that's a good. Uh, th- there's that song, the "You Are Amazing Just the Way You Are." Oh yeah, see your face. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's a good one. I yeah. like it. I like <laughs> a little it. Encouragement. It would be very encouraging. the The fans in the stadium would just really feel good about themselves. I like it. (laughs) Um, Okay. If you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, 
which would you want? The mind or the body of a 30-year-old? Oh, I would want the body because I think the older you get, you become more wise, right? You grow yeah. in wisdom. So I don't know if I want my 30-year-old mind. All right. That's because, a good perspective. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, you want to still be able to be active and, and be youthful, but hopefully you're continuing to grow in, in wisdom. I like that. That's a yeah. really good answer. That's a really good answer. And it made, it's made me think a lot. I'm like, oh, because for a while I said mind, but now I've changed my mind. Mm. See, and I'm older than 30. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> Changed my mind. Um, okay. Um, are you reading any books right now? Oh, or listening? Uh, it could be if you're a listener, book listener, if you're an audible type person. Yeah. So I, I just ordered uh, Kristen Welch's book about raising grateful kids in, in an entitled, entitled world. world. So I'm getting ready to read that. So good. Right. And very funny that I was just talking um, with uh, who did I have on the show a couple of weeks ago? And we talked about that. I think it was um, Allison Storm. Yeah, I had Allison Storm on the show uh, maybe about a month ago. And she and I were talking about um, Kristen Welch's books. So clearly, um, you know, her books are reaching people because she's amazing. Right. Yes, she is amazing. All right. And then my last question is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Oh, so I think running a business with purpose is, it means about leaving an impact, about making a difference. So um, any kind of business can make money or it can be running well, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's good, you know? And so I think a good business with purpose means that it's making an impact. It's changing people's lives. It's changing their perspective and it's, um, leaving some kind of mark on society. So that's what it means to me. Mm, that's a good answer. You've had some good answers to my thoughtful questions. So I really <laughs> appreciate it. Um, Amy, this has been such a joy and a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is a busy, busy schedule um, for just coming on and, and sharing your heart with us. Thank you so much. It's been great to be here. And thank you for all your encouragement. I'd love to know what you loved about this episode or something you learned. Uh, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. And remember to check out and shop the Seiko Designs holiday collection at SeikoDesigns.com slash Molly Stillman. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you are a regular listener of the show, thank you for tuning in week in and week out. And if you're brand new here, don't forget to check out the archives for so many incredible interviews with amazing entrepreneurs and business owners. And be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe button to help make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And if you've got a moment, would you take a moment to leave a review of the show? Leaving a review really just helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is impacting you. As always, the show is edited by my amazing husband and executive producer, John Stillman, with support from Kelly Dalton. And the music is by Mark Killian of Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening. Now go do something good with purpose on purpose. Purpose.